on, open your mouth and begin to worship God in tongues. Begin to give Him praise. Just speak mysteries to the Lord in tongues. Say thank you, Lord, in tongues. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, we worship you, Lord, tonight. We give you praise from the bottom of our heart. We say thank you, Jesus. And all the praise, all the honor to you, Lord. Thank you for the privilege to worship you. What a huge, huge privilege to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is not by power, it is not by might, but by your spirit. And thank you, Father, because you are here with us. Seated upon the throne. And we are all here, right in front of your throne, in the throne room. Thank you for your manifest presence. And thank you for what you have for us tonight. We have come with humility, with a hand that is ready and open, Lord, to receive of you. And we know that our lives will never, never remain the same again. We'll be transformed by your word. We'll be transformed by the living word. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for miracles. Thank you for wonders tonight. Thank you for sudden liftings tonight. Thank you for breakthroughs tonight. Thank you, Father. Thank you for open doors. Someone's door is being opened now. Yeah, there's a door that has been shut before, but now it's opened. Father, we thank you. Thank you for doors of utterance open unto us. That I will speak your word with simplicity and with the accuracy of the spirit. In Jesus name. Amen and amen. Come and make a joyful noise. Celebrate Jesus tonight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I wanted to welcome your neighbors and neighbor you're welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then with Jesus' joy, let's welcome our online viewers. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to pray for your neighbor and our online viewers. Let's thank God for bringing them in here and declare that your life will never remain the same again. Your life will never remain the same again. You are going to be transformed. Now speak to the online viewers. They're going to be transformed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, please you may be seated. Glory to Jesus. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful evening tonight. Ah, glory to God. Now last week, Wednesday, we began to look at partakers of the suffering of Christ. And we're able to establish certain things. Of course, we started off from the book of Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. It said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. So we can see that the goal of Apostle Paul here 
is to know the Lord and to know the power of his resurrection and then to experience the fellowship of his sufferings. The fellowship of his sufferings. The fellowship of the suffering of Jesus. In other words, to partake of the suffering of Christ. So we'll see and then established last week that it is God's plan for every believer to partake of the suffering of Christ. But at the same time, it's important to understand what the sufferings of Christ is so that we don't misunderstand the sufferings of Christ. And that's very important. We went on to look at what the sufferings of Christ is not. Peradventure is important to mention one thing that we're definitely going to mention later. So what the suffering of Christ is not. The suffering of Christ as a believer partaking of that suffering is not sickness, is not disease, is not pain, and is not sorrow. So God has not called you to pain. God has not called you to disease. God has not called you to sickness. God has not called you to sorrow. And that's why the Bible says rejoice always. Always rejoice. A sober assembly is not a sorrowful assembly. So God has not called you to sorrow. God has not called you to pain, to disease, to sickness. And God has not called you to poverty. So the suffering of Christ, the believer partaking of the sufferings of Christ, is not poverty. If you are under the influence of poverty, please do not call it the sufferings of Christ. That's not the sufferings of Christ. Christ died. The Bible says he became poor. That you might become rich. So that's not the sufferings of Christ. And then we also said that the believer partaking of the sufferings of Christ is not punishment for error. You did something wrong and then you are punished, you are disciplined, you are not suffering for Christ. That's not suffering for Christ. Now that's very important. And then we also said that the suffering of Christ is not hardship. The believer partaking of the suffering of Christ is not hardship as a result of ignorance or disobedience. But there are hardness that come to us as a result of the gospel, as a result of the kingdom. So that's why hardness is not the same thing as hardship. Hardness is that that emanates out of our responsibility to the gospel of Christ, out of our devotion to the kingdom of God. So when we experience inconvenience and then we experience some things that looks like hardship, actually it's not hardship, it's hardness. It's hardness for the gospel. It's hardness, the Bible says, as a soldier of Christ, it says we should endure hardness. Very important. So we began to look at what is persecution. Now, it's important that I mention here that the suffering of Christ is not dying. It's not death. When people die, not because of the gospel, it is not the suffering of Christ. If people die because of sickness, it is not the suffering of Christ. But if you die as a martyr, then that's the suffering of Christ. If you die because you're persecuted, that's the suffering of Christ. So what is the sufferings of Christ that a believer needs to partake of? And you know that one of the sufferings of Christ is that he died for us, right? 
So that one you will never do. You're not going to die for anybody. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus has died once for once and for all. So don't you ever say I died for him. You should never do that kind of a thing. God has called us as saviors, but not as saviors to die for others. <laughs> so when the Bible says that we ought to lay our lives for other people, it's not saying you should die for them. It's just saying that you should not be selfish. You should think about others, and you should look at how you can help others. That's what he's saying. So you don't get that wrong. So what is the sufferings of Christ that the believer must partake of? We began to look at number one, which is persecution. Persecution. And we saw from 2 Timothy, and that's where we stopped. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and then start reading from verse 10. 2 Timothy 3, and then verse 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith. And then you see long suffering, long suffering, long suffering, long suffering. So you see, long suffering is a fruit of the Spirit. It's part of what we've been called into. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of love. Long suffering is what we've been called into. It is stronger and it is beyond patience. And that's one of the keys that Jesus used to make sure he fulfilled his destiny. So he said, long suffering, charity, patience. And then verse 11 says, persecution. Persecution. Come and say persecution. Then he said, afflictions which came unto me at Antioch. At Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. So the beautiful thing about the persecutions that comes to us is that out of them all, God will deliver us. Hallelujah. That's a beautiful thing. But the Bible never says, that we will not be persecuted. In fact, the Bible says otherwise. In verse 12, it says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer what? Persecution. You see again, that the persecution we are talking about is suffering. He said, shall suffer persecution. Shall suffer persecution. And it is our job to endure persecution. But the Bible says, looking at it from the other side, it is the suffering of Christ. But from the other side, you are using the fruit of the Spirit called long-suffering to endure persecution. And so we're going to proceed more and then understand what the Bible has got to say about persecution in all the scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 4.12, it says, And labor, walking with our own hands, being revived, we're blessed. We're blessed. Being persecuted, we suffer it. And you suffer it with what? Joy. So he said, we are persecuted, and we are glad to suffer it. We are not complaining. They abused us. We bless them. Can't you say it's being reviled? We bless. And then labor, walking with our own hands. We are called to walk with our own hands, not to be lazy. We are called into labor. Give me the Amplified Classic. And then we see toil unto weariness for our living, working hard with our own hands. 
Now, this is Apostle Paul here, an apostle in his class, an apostle with so much anointing that he knows that, see, he has some privilege as a minister of the gospel, and yet, he said, he that ministered on the, on the altar should eat from the altar. That's what the Bible says. But yet, this is a man that will not activate that. In fact, at some point, he had to go and be doing tent making just to feed and support all the people with him. And so when he's talking about laboring with our hands, it's not just laboring spiritually in the place of prayer. He was doing that. And yet at some point, he had to go and labor with his hands to make money. Was that a distraction to him? No, he never stopped the flow of the grace of God upon his life. Why? Because he was a man that understand how to maximize the grace of God. He said, I do not frustrate the grace of God that is upon me. But what do I do? I labor. Because the grace of God supplies you with that power to labor. The power to walk. So he said, we, 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 and we still toil unto weariness for our living. Working hard with our own hands. When men revile us, wound us with an accused sting, what do we do? We bless them. It is persecution for somebody to be abusing you and abusing you and abusing you. And then you refuse to abuse the person. That's persecution. <laughs> Instead of abusing the person, you are blessing the person. Now Jesus, talking about persecution, said if anyone slap you, turn the, slap your left cheek, then you turn the right to it. That's persecution. That's persecution. It sounds foolish, but that's persecution. That's walking in love. Hallelujah. It is not that somebody will abuse you and then, and then you reply with two, two abuse. And then you see some people saying, the moment you say, see, if... If not because I am a Christian, I know what to do. You have failed the persecution already. You have done it already. You just have not said it out. <laughs> amen. I said amen. So what do you do when men accuse you? What do you do? You bless them. You bless them. In fact, there are times you don't defend yourself. Because you know there's just no use to defend yourself. I mean, I found myself in those kind of situations, and I just look at the whole thing, and I say, see, there's no need. There's just no need. There's just no need to try to defend myself. And that's why <laughs> there are a lot of people in this world today, they are running with the wrong information about people just because the person chose not to defend himself because defending yourself is i mean just causing more more argument here and there and then you just say see it's okay let's just sort this out <laughs> let's just let's end it here that's persecution and it's eternity. It's in eternity you will see what you have done. When men revile us, they wound us with a cursed sting, accusing us, abusing us, cursing us. He said, We bless them. When we are persecuted, we take it patiently and endure it. 
You don't start to say, you know, I know my authority in Christ. I can kill you now. <laughs> no. While you have that authority, you have the power of attorney, you don't use it. If you understand the concept of persecution, then you just say, endure the persecution and then enjoy it. Of course, it's not something you enjoy in your physical body. It's not, it's not something you enjoy in your physical body. But when you are controlled by your spirit, then you can have the fruit of the spirit completely overwhelming whatever emotion you have in your natural body. That emotion of regret and all of that is overwhelmed. The emotion of inconvenience is overwhelmed. That even in your inconvenience, you're enjoying it. Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. Let's start with KJV, then we go to Amplified. First Timothy 4, 10. For therefore, we both labor and suffer reproach. We labor and we suffer reproach. Why? Because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Amplified Classic. With a view to this, we toil and strive. Yes, and suffer reproach because we have fixed our hope on the living God. So we suffer what? Reproach. So we can see that if we are talking about the sufferings of Christ, we are talking about what? Persecution. Persecution. And then number two, you're talking about the sufferings of Christ. Then we are talking about hardness. Come and say hardness. I say, come and say hardness. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So let's read that. That's KJV. He said, I know both how to be abased... And I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And that's why he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Look at the Amplified Classic. 12. I know how to be abased and live humbly in strengthened circumstances. I know also how to enjoy plenty and live in abundance. In other words, it doesn't matter. See, I'm not controlled by what is happening around me. My joy is not derived from money. My joy is not derived from anyone. It's not a supply from outside. It's a supply from inside here. It's not my situation that determines my joy. 
I'm the same in plenty. And I'm the same when there's no plenty. That's what Apostle Paul was saying here. Because the life of a man is not determined by what he has. By the amount of wealth he's got. By the houses he's got. No. It's not determined by that. Your life does not consist of that. It is Christ in you that makes all the difference. And what is that thing that helps us in a time like this? The time of hardness is for you to understand this concept. This world is a fallen world. And Jesus never promised that there won't be hard times. He did promise that. But in it, we create an atmosphere around us from within. There's an atmosphere of peace. God, that's what determines us. That's, that's the key thing, the atmosphere of peace in us. And when there's peace, it doesn't matter what's happening around us. We will stand. We will keep standing. Glory to God. He said, I have learned in any... And us, can we read it together from there? One, two, go. I have, I have learned in any and all circumstances the secret of facing every situation. Hold it there. Come and say, there's the secret of facing every situation. <laughs> he said, there is the secret of facing every situation. Come on. Come on now. Every situation. There is the secret. Every situation. It doesn't matter the kind of situation it is. He said there is the secret. And he said he has gotten it. He said he has the key to every situation. Wow, that's, that's a wonderful life. That's why Paul you, Paul, you won't hear Paul complaining. Never. And let me submit that it wasn't only Paul that understood the secret. You look at Peter, you look at James. James put it in, all, in, in another dimension. He said, count it all joy. Count it all joy all the time. When you are faced with trials and temptation, count it all joy. Apostle Paul said, rejoice always, and I say, rejoice. And it's when you understand the concept of the sufferings of Christ, then you, you, you're not moved by anything at all. There are times because of your faith walk, because you are walking by faith, and then God is saying, do not tell anybody anything. And then there's no money. There's no money at home. There's no food at home. Your faith work will make you to start a first, first uh, fasting. Because of your faith work. And you know that if you just open your mouth and just tell somebody that, ah, there's no food at home, they will give you food quickly. Hello? But this is the suffering of Christ. As a soldier of Christ, said, endure hardness. You are moving to a new dimension in Christ. You just don't want to be just a child of God, an infant of God. You want to be a soldier of Christ, developing muscle in your faith. And so, and so, you are tempted many times. Ah, and I know if I, if I just call pastor now, if I call my dear G leader now, they will quickly, quickly do something. If I tell them there is no food at home now. 
and then you are tempted many times. You pick your phone like this. Mm -mm. You say, no. No. I'm walking by faith. I'm walking by faith. I'm walking by faith. 8 p.m. Walking by faith. You have not eaten since morning. 9 p.m. Walking by faith and you are saying, okay, maybe an angel will bring food. The thing is that, see, not eating that night won't kill you. Amen. And it doesn't mean your faith has not worked. It's working. Hallelujah. That, that angel did not appear at your door that night for what? For food? God is building you, taking you to another level, beyond food. And he knows because he knows that you can actually go that way for three days and no problem still. Praise God. <laughs> and he wants you to change your perception. That it's not food you should be fasting for. It's not food you should be praying for. You should be praying beyond food. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And that's why I say a lot of people are not able to develop their faith. Because they don't understand the concept of the suffering of Christ. I'm telling you, they don't understand it. I remember when I had breakthrough over sickness many, many years ago. That should be 1994. Yes. 1994. And I began to learn the secret of, you know, walking in divine health and then uh, getting healed supernaturally, divinely. And then in those days, I used to, to have consistent um, malaria. Malaria was my friend. Mosquito, you know, before you know it, pram, it starts. And then every evening, in the morning you are okay, but in the evening, the thing starts. And then at home then, you know, there are evening chores that you need to do, house chores that you need to do. And because of the word of faith that I've learned, I just learned it. And I say, see, if I'm healed, the healed shouldn't be sleeping. The healed shouldn't be complaining. The healed shouldn't be telling people that it cannot work. That he can't, he can't do the evening chores and all of that. You, my body was, my body was feeling it heavily. But I said I'm healed of the Lord. My body wanted to open up my, I mean, to open my mouth and tell my parents that see, I'm not okay. So they would just. I mean, it's, I will start, the moment I say I'm not okay, it's an enjoyment that follows. Hallelujah. Enjoyment, they touch my body and they, ah, what's wrong with you? What, 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 what the next thing? Hey, T, this one, make this one. What do I want? That's the next thing, it's enjoyment. But no, I said, no, I'm not going to do that enjoyment. I will go through this. The suffering of Christ. I'm going to go through it. And it was hardness because, I mean, I was feeling this. I had to go and, and clean and wash the plates and do all of those things. When, I, when naturally speaking, I should, be, I should be on the bed enjoying. But I stood my ground. I stood my ground for five days. It continued, continued, continued throughout the week. And it's only in the evenings. In the morning, everything disappears. That's very strange. Those kind of things are, are really, really strange. If you're sick, I mean, you're sick, then let it be continuous. Amen. And in the evening, continued for a whole week. But I refuse to allow any drug to touch my mouth. And then it disappeared. And that was my victory. 
that was the day I entered into divine health. It was a serious fight of faith. That's what the Bible says. It's a fight. Fight of faith. Some people, the next day, like they say, ah, they cannot continue this. No. It's like this is not working. In faith, there's the suffering of Christ that comes with it at times. And then when you stand your ground, you establish yourself in the realm of the Spirit. And that's why Apostle Paul is saying, I've learned in any and all circumstances the secret of facing every situation. Now, let's read it again. Let's start with, I have, let's go. I have learned in any and all circumstances the secret of facing every situation, whether well-fed or going hungry. Can you see that? Whether well-fed or going hungry. Having, let's go, having a sufficiency and enough to spare, or going without and being in want. There are situations in life when you want to break forth into your wealth that you might go through what Apostle Paul is talking about here. That all those option Bs that you used to have, you want to move to another level and God say, cancel them, cancel them, cancel them, cancel them. You know when there's a small distance and then you know who to call. Zep, uh, please, quickly borrow me money. You know, I will give you. Your situation has been borrow me money and then end of the month I'll give you. If you continue that way, you will not break forth into another level. I'm telling you. You will not. You have to learn to endure hardness. You say people, trek from your house to church. You say you cannot trek. It's like, you see, the reason I, I couldn't come to church is because I didn't have transport money. Where are you staying? And then you hear where the person is staying, you, you, you shake your head. If I tell you, when we're growing up, where I have trekked for the gospel? From the end of Adwekiti to the other end of Adwekiti because of the gospel. Trekking! Not because we like trekking. There was no money to take a taxi. And we trek. And then we'll be praying in tongues as, as we trek. Hallelujah. We trek to go for meetings. And we are going to be the one ministering in that meeting. And we see trek. And then today you come and be looking at me and say, you, Pastor, you, can't, you are not trekking now, now. I have done my trekking. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Apostle Paul has done his own. And that's why he can share the testimony. Look at verse 13. He says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Hallelujah. He said that Christ infuses what? Inner strength. Inner strength that supplies Physical strength to you. You say you cannot trek. There is the supply of the spirit. <laughs> that can strengthen you while you are trekking. I've trekked before for two hours. Praying in tongues. Because I missed. I missed the last the last bus going to the village where we were having evangelism. Trek to that village. Two hours. Between 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. From one village to another. Not town. Not inside town where there's street light. No street light. Village where there's no light. 
villages and capturing uh, vigilante. And I keep saying, see, we are the ones that are programmed. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Vigilante from different villages to different villages, praying in tongues and all of that. Hallelujah. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2. First Thessalonians 2, 2. But even after that, but even after that we had suffered before, were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi. You remember what happened at Philippi? You remember how they were beaten? In prison and then imprisoned because of the gospel. They were beaten shamefully. And yet, lawfully, you have no right to beat a Roman citizen. Paul was a Roman citizen. And yet, he didn't use his Roman citizenship to refuse to be beaten because of the gospel. There are times you don't use your rights. You know that if you present your right, they stop it. But at times you just look at it, say, for the, for the gospel's sake, I'll go through it. Hallelujah. He said, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. A lot of people contending. Against the gospel, yet they spoke. Second Timothy chapter two, verse three. Second Timothy two, verse three. Said thou therefore endure what hardness as a good soldier. Of Christ. Ask your neighbor, are you a good soldier of Christ? Then endure hardness. And then he went on to talk about this. The what does it mean? Verse 4. He said, No man that worried entangled himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. And then he said, if a man also strive for mastery, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. So he's telling us there's a lawful way for us to strive. And as a believer and as a good soldier of Christ, is to endure hardness. Enough of the Christianity of convenience. The moment it's raining on Sunday, you see, you see the, the, um, the attendance drop. What kind of Christianity are we doing here? Rain. Water. Water. And then we used to sing this song. In those days, it's not common any longer. In, in Yoruba, I said, to Jobanro. Hallelujah. Mm. Can you see that? They say, if it's raining, I'll follow Jesus. And then if, say, if it's raining and then there's fire burning, Fire has not born. It's just rain. <laughs> and then people can enter the ring for Christ. Hallelujah. It says, as a good soldier of Christ, you should do what? Endure hardness. Endure hardness. So we said that. What is the sufferings of Christ? When we are partaking of the sufferings of Christ, what does it mean? It means we are partaking of 
Persecution, right? It means we are partaking of hardness. So we don't give up. We don't submit to hard situations. And then number three, it means change of perception and views. The suffering of Christ does something to you. Causes you to, to begin to allow your perception in life and your views in life to change. You don't just relax. You don't relax and just, and just, and just remain the same. No, 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 no. You move into, Lord, the way I think. My perception, my mindset cannot remain the same. It is convenient for people to just remain the same. But you push forward and say, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Because of the gospel, I refuse to remain the same. That's why when people pray this prayer, Lord, just bless me and bless my family and I'm good. And then you just have enough money for your family. No, that's a wrong perception. That's not a kingdom perception. Because of the kingdom of God, you want, you want your perception to change so that you can be blessed because of the kingdom. You can have more than enough because of the kingdom. And then the way you see life changes. The things that, the things that used to move you, the things that you used to give premium to, becomes nothing to you. The things that you counted as big things becomes nothing to you. Christ becomes everything to you. Look at how Paul put it in Philippians chapter 3 and then start reading from verse 7. I'll read very fast now. He said, but what things were gained to me, those, those I counted was loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Can you see that? He was pursuing the knowledge of Christ Jesus, his Lord. He said, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but what dung that I may win Christ. You come to church, you say you are the MD or so, 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 and then you do your hand like this. No. You come to church, you come to church, you become a brother. You become a sister. In Christ Jesus, we are equal hair. In him. You forget, you forget about, about that title and all of those things. These are people coming to church and say they are bishop. Bishop. What is bishopric about you? If you, cannot, if you cannot stand before the Lord and dance before him, that's bishopric. If you say you are a bishop and then you are carrying yourself, you are dancing... And then you are doing like this. You know, bishop must be, must not dance. What's bishop break about you? He said, and be found in him, verse 9, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering. Can you see that that's when he began to talk about the fellowship of his suffering. He began to say, say I count all these things, but what? Dung. I count them as nothing. As nothing. And be made conformable unto his death. Verse 11. If by, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend for that, that for which 
also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I can't know myself to have apprehended. Now, that's, that's the key thing here. You don't count yourself to have gotten it all. Said, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Say, let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even these unto you. Say, nevertheless, where to we have already attained. Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. And then, lastly tonight, what is the sufferings of Christ? Number four. The sufferings of Christ is not yielding to the flesh. Not yielding to the flesh. Refusing to set your mind on earthly things. In other words, we're talking about being dead to self. Being dead to self. The suffering of Christ is to be dead to self. Dead to self. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death. So it was Jesus. What did, did Jesus suffer here? The suffering of what? Death. And he did it once and for all, for everybody. So, so you can see, this suffering of death is not what we are supposed to do. Because Jesus did it once and for all. So you are not supposed to die for anyone. They crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. So he has stated death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect. How? True sufferings. True sufferings. Then verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them, to succor them that are tempted. Watch it here. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted. So it means anyone that is still prone to temptation is experiencing what? The sufferings of Christ. But Jesus was tempted in all things. He suffered temptation, yet without sin. Without yielding to it. And that's what God is calling us to. That he is able to succor them that are tempted. Give me verse 18 in, in Amplified Classic. For because he himself in his humanity has suffered in being tempted, tested and tried, he's able immediately to run to the cry of assist, relieve those who are being tempted and tested and tried and who therefore are being exposed to suffering. So you see, your temptation is suffering. When you yield to it, you have escaped the suffering of Christ. But when you refuse to yield to it, then you have suffered with Christ. Hallelujah. So every time you escape, every time you, you yield to a temptation, what have you done? You have escaped the sufferings of Christ. Every temptation is an opportunity to suffer for Christ. So when you refuse to yield to that temptation, what have you done? You have suffered for Christ. But when you yield to that temptation, you have escaped the sufferings of Christ. The sufferings of Christ is a huge, huge opportunity. Huge, huge opportunity. 
First Peter chapter 2, verse 19. For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscious towards God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it? If when ye be buffeted for your fault, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. We read this earlier on, I mean uh, last week. Verse 21, for even here unto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his footstep. Who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth. Can you see the way Jesus suffered? Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again, he did not reply them. When he suffered, he threatened not. <laughs> and people, when you begin to experience suffering, you begin to threat. That's when you begin to release threats. You begin to release threats. You see some people that don't talk. They don't talk at all. And some, but when they, when they suffer, that's when you now, you'll be amazed. You're like, eh? So this person can talk. He said, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that, judge, that judges righteously. 1 Corinthians 6, 6 to 7. First Corinthians 6. He said, but brother goeth the law with brother, and that before the unbelievers, they take themselves to court. Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you. There's a problem here. Because you go to law one with another, why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourself to be defrauded? Maybe let's read it in NLT. Maybe that can help. Watch this. I mean, it's, it's so unscriptural for brethren to take themselves to court. He said, even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Yes, you have been defrauded. It's so painful, yes. But because of the gospel, because of the kingdom of God, you let it go. You let it go. Now, I have experienced this before. I've been defrauded. And I could have said, okay, let's go to court. That's it. Let it go. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourself be cheated? Can you see that? Verse 6. Instead, you yourself are the ones who do wrong and cheat even your fellow. Verse 6. But instead, one believer sues another right in front of unbelievers. Right in front of unbelievers. And then an unbeliever will not be the judge judging two believers. You see, a believer says, I'm going, to, I'm going to use policeman to pick you up. Pick another believer. And then you ask for how much? Because of 10,000 error. Because of 10,000 error. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. 
If we are sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? Verse 12. If others be partakers of this power over you, and not we rather, nevertheless we have not used this power, but so far what? All things. Lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. NLT. Verse 11. Since we have planted spiritual seed among you, are we not entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? Verse 12. If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? But we have never used this right. We would rather put up with anything than being an obstacle to the good news about Christ. That was what Paul did. He said, rather suffer. It was not convenient for him to go and, and have a company with some people, but he had to. Because of the gospel. Not because there's no right for him to activate this, but he chose not to. So that nothing will hinder the gospel. Suffering for Christ is a choice you make. You choose it. You make it. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 25. Hebrews eleven twenty-five. 25. said, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God... This is Moses, than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. It's a choice you make. At times, a very hard choice. Verse 26 Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. So can you see, can you see the mindset of Moses? By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. His mind was set on God. His mind was set on God. He went through the process. He went into the wilderness there for 40 years. Was there until the time that God called unto him, it's time to go and deliver my people. Stand to your feet tonight. What's going to be your choice tonight? What's going to be your choice tonight? Are you going to choose Egypt over the people of God? Are you going to choose the pleasure of sin for a season over the affliction? Are you going to choose the riches and the treasures of Egypt over the reproach of Christ? Tonight, cry unto God and say, Lord, I receive the grace to choose to suffer for Christ. Some people are not willing to suffer for Christ in any way. Understanding that, see, life is in process. Life is in stages. This is very important. <clears throat> Talk to the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, the Spirit of God just gave me this illustration, and I got to say it. So, you see a young instrumentalist that is learning, still learning, and then he's given the opportunity, and you, the expert, 
you are the one playing another instrument. And then you cannot endure. You cannot apply long suffering to that young instrumentalist that is still learning, that doesn't know how to sing, I mean how to play, but can still play something. Can you see? And you see it among the, some instrumentalists. They tell you they can't play with that person, doesn't know how to play. You don't understand the sufferings of Christ. Because of the gospel, because of the gospel you do anything. You say, okay, how do we make this work? That's the suffering of Christ. And if you think it's too big for you, you go and do three days fasting and pray the expert in. Do you understand? Go and do three days fasting and play, pray the expert to come. That's the way it's done. For the gospel, Paul said, I have learned to be in plenty. In plenty, in plenty means when there are plenty, plenty uh, experts of uh, instruments. And then I've learned to be abased when there are none. Then I know how to just let's, let's get to praise God. Let's get to worship him. I mean, we don't understand. People don't understand this Christianity. He's always looking, way, looking for the easiest way out. That's not Christianity. It's not, Christianity is not shortcut. Enter through the straight gate, the Bible says. Not through the broad way. Christianity is not shortcut. What's the easiest way out? The easiest way out. That's what we, what's the easiest way out? That's the way unbelievers think. Say, Lord, I receive grace tonight. For by my own strength, I cannot do this. I receive grace. Thank you, Lord. The life of God is at work in me. The nature of God is at work in me. I'm a good soldier of Christ. I endure hardness. I endure it. I endure hardness. Break out Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name, we prayed. As you go forth, you go forth in the power of the Lord. The hand of the Lord is strong upon you. In the name of Jesus. Testimonies await you. In the name of Jesus. You're going out and you're coming in is blessed of the Lord. The lines are falling onto you in pleasant places. Here you have a goodly heritage. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name. We prayed. Come and make a joyful noise. Woo! Glory to God. Amen. Please, you may be seated.